Welcome to Pushing Beyond the Obvious, and I am your host Mukesh Gupta, author of the world's first business poem, Your Startup Mentor. This is a show where I bring you ideas and insights from some of the best minds in the world, so that you can be a better entrepreneur and grow your business. Today's episode of Pushing Beyond the Obvious is brought to you by Skillshare, an online learning platform with over 18,000 plus classes on business, marketing, technology, and many more. Get two months of Skillshare for free at rmukeshgupta.com/learn. Hi, Andy. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? It's so um, nice to uh, <laughs> chat with you today. Same here. Thanks for taking time and talking to me today. So, for the benefit of uh, uh, my audience, I think uh, 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 Dory Clark, who we had uh, on the show earlier, uh, suggested that we should definitely talk to you as well because she felt that my audience will learn a lot uh, from you. So, thanks a lot for uh, taking time and talking to us today. <laughs> oh no, absolutely. And Dory is such a um, fabulous wealth of just practical. I, I oh, not just but very practical, great insights. So she's a fantastic person to listen to on your podcast yeah, so for the, your audience. Well, everybody <laughs> has to listen to that in the audience. <laughs> so most definitely. The, yeah. So for the benefit of uh, my audience, uh, if I if I can ask you to uh, introduce yourself and the body of work that you have done so that people can put everything else you say uh, in context. Absolutely. So I am an executive coach and I also do a lot of speaking as well. So I work with large clients like TripAdvisor, Sanofi, Genzyme and large advertising agencies. I'm also an executive coach at the Harvard Business School um executive education and I have also um contributed to Harvard Business Review. And so I think what people would say is well you know you you have an audience of entrepreneurs and people would say well how does the work that you do with these large corporations translate to me and that's what i'm going to that's what i want to talk about with you today because i think no matter what we do there's just some guiding principles and tenets that we can say um that work for everybody so we can talk about that too okay So let's start with that. So, uh, if you have Absolutely. seen a guiding tenet, so maybe we, if I can ask you to share some of those guiding tenets that you've seen that are relevant, whether you are a large corporate or a or a mid-sized entrepreneur. Right. So you know, some of them are, I would say, actually kind of practical, and maybe not very sexy to talk about, but they matter for everybody. So I think one of the first ones I would say is persistence. right we all and it in its in it matters for me as well because i'm an entrepreneur as well because i have my executive coaching practice um it's persistence and how do you deal with failure right that many of the people that very successful executives that i work with um work extremely hard and they persist even through failure and a lot of them have had a lot of bumps in the road and how do you just kind of really push past it and just and and be dogged in your goals right i think another tenant that i see or a pillar is reading okay i i think that there is a point where many people that i coach um or i look at a lot of executives out there they stop kind of the learning right 
how do you just, it doesn't take a lot of time each week, but just have something interesting to read, right? And one thing I tell everybody to do from a practicality perspective, because I'm all about the practical, is read Harvard Business Review. Either go to the site, go to um, get the magazine, because that's what CEOs are reading and talking about. And it doesn't matter what, you know, what size the company is, it's still great reading, okay? Um, I think, too, um, you know, I said, I said hard work, reading. Um, I think, too, many people say to me that when we talk about their leadership journeys, there is just a serendipity. Think about serendipity in terms of your opportunities, right? The opportunity that comes in front of you may be very different, than what you would thought it was going to be. So being open to all those opportunities for your businesses. So I think those are a couple of ones that I look at consistently what I see from successful leaders. So let's repack, uh, uh, I mean, unpack a little bit of what uh, you've already said. Let's start sure. with uh, uh, failure. So uh, mm-hmm. every entrepreneur, I think, is familiar with uh, 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 failure uh, in a very mm-hmm. intimate way manner right because uh, yes. being an entrepreneur means that you know you've tried something it may work may not work you uh, you know you deal with whatever you get and then you continue to move on so yes in in dealing with failure so there are multiple ways that someone can deal with failure so is there a way that you've seen or is there a process of dealing with failure which actually moves mm-hmm. people forward rather than holds people back because i've seen a lot of people deal with failure struggle a lot i mean it it slows them down and there are some people who fail and then immediately learn from that failure and you know bounce back much higher so right is there a process between you know or or what is it that the guys who do uh, who struggle with failure and slow down versus people who actually you know feed off of that failure and uh, jump higher what is the difference between them how do they approach failure um well i can say this for myself and a lot of other people i've coached and it doesn't matter what kind of failure it is right it feels really personal and everybody says it's business don't take it personally but you know i I'm not sure I really feel, you know, when it really gets down to that level, yeah, of course it feels personal, right? In some instance, right? So one thing I'm, I'm, again, I'm going back to the simple, right? I think what I have seen for other successful leaders is action. Okay. No matter what it is, um, you know, you have to process, think about where, I can make changes to move forward and kind of use it as a debrief. Well, what could I have done differently? You know, in that client meeting, uh, you know, with, in that sales meeting, did I really connect with the client and tell the stories and think about outcome? You know, diagnosing what it is, but it really is truly just about action. It, it, any small little action the next day you can do because actions feed on each other. And that's where I see the difference with success. You have to take action, get back up, dust yourself off and get going. So that that's really what I, I, I would say simply. Yeah, very interesting. So now let's move to the concept of serendipity and opportunity that you're talking about. So mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur, I would assume that uh, 
I am open to opportunity and that is the reason why I am actually being an entrepreneur itself. But in the process of being an entrepreneur, a lot of times uh, I have seen uh, uh, people who lose track of everything else and are just so intensely focused on that one thing that they are trying to do, irrespective mm. of whether they are seeing success or failure. Uh, I mean, it's good that uh, we talk about persistence and grit, yep. but uh, on the other hand, if you persist and show grit on things which are not working without understanding why they are not working, can also yep. create a lot of uh, issue because then you're not progressing. And at the same time, by such intense focus, you kind of get oblivious to all the opportunity around you. So yeah. how do you balance this? I mean, you've seen someone balancing this really well. And if so, uh, how do they do it? Okay. So, you know, I think too, it's great to have a singular focus. You're absolutely right. Have persistence and grit. But how do you, how do you pick your head up off the desk and see everything else that's around you? So a couple of things I'd like to say is, and I talk about this a lot, whether you're in a large corporation, you have your own business, is networking. It's really about knowledge and also seeing what else is out there. Because if you're just myopically focused on this plan, this opportunity, you don't see everything else. And there's always, when I talk about networking, I just mean talking to somebody who's interesting because even you never know, right? And that part of what we're talking about with serendipity is luck. And it's just the luck, luck of meeting and running kind of in traffic, right? Just meeting lots of different people that are out there. And that matters, you know? And I think too um, is, and Steve Jobs used to do this and a lot and I've seen other CEOs of large software companies do this they take walks they take walking meetings because that physical piece you know you hear about people getting their best ideas in the showers that's because they're doing something different that allows their mind to kind of process everything that's going on with with your team or take take that kind of physicality piece to it so I'll tell you I didn't believe it Okay, so one day I thought, okay, I was putting together speech and I needed something, I needed a creative activity to talk about. So I thought, oh, what the heck, I'm going to try, right? It, it really did work. I took this walk and all of a sudden a great creative idea for this speech, it just popped into my head. So I think it's kind of getting out of the routine it, it is what we're talking about that helps with serendipity. And yes. We need regimented, you know, you can't be surfing Facebook all day long, obviously, but, you know, but, but there is a point, um, where I think the regimented piece, um, comes into play where it doesn't work, at least for me. Right. So one story, I, I worked in advertising agencies before I became an executive coach. So I really learned about what, what, what was what is brainstorming? How do you kind of get out of that routine? And it's kind of stopping and just doing something different. Interesting. So, so the, the other thing uh, that is interesting that you said uh, was around the, uh, you know, ability to um, focus heads down work uh, and the ability to, you know, heads go heads up and look at 
everything around mm-hmm. you and what i have realized uh, again this is my personal experience and people whom i have learned from is that uh, uh, you know uh, every every week or every 15 days uh, you need to schedule time in your calendar uh, for uh, allowing serendipity to hit you so this is something that one of my coach uh, uh, told me uh, is that you know every 15 days do something which you would never otherwise do so for example yes. go to an area which you would never go to uh, if you never walk go walking if you never swim go swimming uh, if you never go to a networking event go to a networking event if you go to a networking okay. event go to an event where you absolutely don't have a clue about anyone else in the in the event uh, and is completely new go outside of the mm-hmm. industry uh, read mm-hmm. something that you would not read but put it in your calendar that every 15 days for a couple of hours or for half a day you will do something which is not something that you would do otherwise normally and that just one habit of putting that in the calendar and actually following through uh, i think uh, has helped me so much in identifying so many different things uh, that i could do so for example this entire podcast actually came out of one of those ideas uh, ah. i yeah so i was uh, you know having a conversation with someone and someone told me you know there is this new thing called podcasting which is uh, uh, seems to be taking off this is in 2014 and mm-hmm. i was like okay let me just try it out and uh, i i said okay in this two hours that i had set up uh, for uh, allowing serendipity to hit me uh, i said okay today i'm going to listen to three podcasts Uh, episodes so i picked out uh, uh, three one uh, uh, was i distinctly remember one of the episode was uh, uh, around you know how do you start a podcast one mm. episode was around uh, uh, entrepreneurs talking about uh, what they are doing and how they are doing what kind of challenges that they are facing and stuff like that and the last one was uh, uh, an interview between uh, two people having a conversation about advertising and ah, uh, yep I thought that the medium was interesting and I said okay let me reach out to five people even if two people agree that uh, they will be willing to spend time with me and talk to me about uh, uh, you know whatever it is that they are doing mm-hmm. uh, I will figure out a way to launch the show and out of five three immediately said yes uh, uh, one said yes later and the last one uh, said yes one and a half two years later and uh, yeah here we are i mean it's, it's probably around second season first season we had 56 episodes second season Fantastic. now i think we are at about 10th or 12th episode that we are recording right now so again all of this coming out of that structured time for serendipity to hit you that's brilliant and i think that's brilliant and i think something else that's really interesting um is that why not just ask Right? You you and that that's another point about like serendipity, right? Why not just ask? And people say yes. Of course they want to have a conversation. So, um, you know, I I think that's another really important point to think about with serendipity. What's the worst thing? And there are times I don't feel like asking either. Believe me, we all kind of feel that way. But if you get like you said in the habit of scheduling every 15 days, if it's just reaching out to somebody, right? So, something different so here's a kind of thought for um everybody about something different i used to write poetry in college oh. i haven't done much creative since and i was kind of feeling this ah 
I need to do something creative. So I've started taking poetry class, poetry writing classes again. While it has nothing to do with my business or my clients, it's just something, it's just very interesting and it gets my kind of creative thinking moving forward that I can be creative with my clients and how I have conversations with people. So that's just one other little tactical example really when we think about that. So let's just move to uh, uh, the uh, uh, past experience uh, uh, that you spoke about. You said you come from an mm -hmm. advertising background, right? So what kind yeah. of work did you do for advertising? So I worked, I'm dating myself here. I worked in advertising in the 80s. So I worked on, um, during the launch of the Apple computer, American Express corporate card. I ran large media departments in advertising agencies like YNR, um, in Digitas, and I also worked at Arnold as well, Arnold um, Worldwide in Boston. So, um, you know, and people kind of say to me, well, so how does that translate to business, right? What, what are those things? Because it kind of gives people pause, right? And I think the couple of things I would say is I really learned how to sell, right, in new business pitches and how to flex to the potential client. When I mean flex my communication style, if somebody is very data oriented, I'm not gonna get up with just one pretty picture and show that to them. I need to, I need to focus the process for them. While I, might, I am not a data oriented person, I've learned to flex that way, right? And I think too, that gets into client service or customer service. How do you make your clients and how, when you go out and sell that you have their back, you, you know what it is that they need to do, right? And there's that little bit of likability factor too, right? That I, I'm in this with you. And so I think that's, I think those are some of the tenants that I think translate to everybody from how you sell or what your businesses are from an entrepreneurial perspective. Interesting, if I may ask, were you part of the Apple yeah. campaign, Apple computer launch campaign as well? So you did mention. So, so I worked on the direct marketing piece of that. And one thing that I worked on was an infomercial for at that time, we put computers in a town in Oregon. And that was one of the first infomercials that was ever done for a large fortune company. So yes, that that's what I worked on. I did not work on the the big branding launch of 1984, but the components of it after that. Yep. But but do you is there something that you remember from that campaign which uh, uh, which had an impact because I've I've seen some of those advertising from from that time that Apple had uh, and mm -hmm. uh, I'm just wondering, you know, if uh, in the process of doing that advertisement either in terms of how Apple uh, used to work with uh, you guys or uh, you know anything else that comes to mind, which could be pertinent to entrepreneurs to uh, uh, know about? Uh, so you know what I think I would say, and it doesn't translate, it translates to every client I work with, not just Apple or American Express or any of them. It's how do you work together as a team with your clients? When you ha have built trust and you can take the risks together, that's where the most creative, impactful 
um, campaigns or what, or for us, for me, campaigns, when, when we built that mutual trust, we were able to really take risks, right? And there's always going to be bumps around the, uh, you know, along the way, always going to be, you know, mistakes, issues, but how do you really, how do you, and it's different for every team, right? Every team is different or every client that you have, how do you build that mutual trust so that you could ultimately, as I said before, get that creative, that really creative spark? Because that's the difference, I think. Interesting. And when you said, when you were talking about your advertising um, uh, stint and what you learned from there, you mentioned mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, uh, the ability to flex yourself or your communication to match the style of someone mm-hmm. uh, to whom you're presenting to is such a critical skill in sales. Now, the question that comes is, you know, if if, if you know the style or uh, if you know the preference of the person mm-hmm. you are presenting to, uh, it is quite possible that you know you are able to uh, uh, tailor your presentation accordingly. Yes. What happens if you are uh, you are meeting someone for the first time, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, um, is there a way for you to judge uh, uh, whether someone is leaning towards data or visual or auditory mm-hmm. or uh, a mix, uh, and adjust as you go along in your first pitch as well? So is that something that you've seen someone do or you've done? If so, how, how can one learn about it? Okay, so let me tell you two pillars for everybody, and then I'm going to tell you a story about it. So I think the simplest one is listening. The first, because really listening in the preliminary meeting, how can you get a preliminary meeting, or even in that meeting, really listening? Because if you think about it, we all can do better listening because as, you know, as sometimes we're in selling and we get in that mode, we're thinking about the answer first and not listening to the person and what they really want. So how do you kind of, it's really just about slowing down. And I think two that I coach people on is simply body language. Body language never lies. So how do you watch what's happening in the meeting? So for, this is interesting. There, I coached a senior director in R&D And he was having issues about presenting his programs managing up. So we really sat and talked about it. And what happened, what we really came to see, the net was, he was bringing in a 50-page dense presentation to senior leadership. And really, if he thought about it, he was done after the first three pages and he was getting the yes, but he wanted to continue to present the other 45 pages. If you've already gotten the yes at page three, stop. Even though those 47 other pages are fantastic. How do you flex from that perspective? So that, that's just a, you know, it's just the little nuances in watching. Very interesting. interesting. So um, um, let's move to uh, the other aspect of what you do now, which is executive Mm -hmm. coaching. Um, So one of the things that I have realized um, and uh, I'm seeing more and more entrepreneurs realize is the importance of having uh, a coach. Uh, even for example, what Dory, Cla- uh, Dory talks about, you know, having a board of uh, mentors yeah. rather than having one mentor. So now the question that comes is, you know, what is the difference between having a, a coach 
versus having a mentor is there a difference mm-hmm. and if yes what is the difference and when should someone go for uh, uh, a mentor and one when should someone go for a coach uh you know i think there's no right or wrong answer in terms of which one what i really believe is how do we get different perspectives that that's what we're really looking for so a mentor is somebody who's been there and has experienced many of the the issues and opportunities that you have and they are going to direct you to go talk to this person you need to change your business plan in this manner a coach is a bit different because we don't start with the right answer we work through it together um through a series of whether it's starting off with some assessments it's asking the right question um and you know some people think it's kind of the so- you know the uh, the socrates method right but that's not it either it's kind of the combination of consulting and coaching is the way that i like to look at it so it's really it's it's me asking you the question right so so let me give you for an example to to everybody so tell me what went well in your last new business pitch and you might say um I like the my presentation was all pictures no 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 words okay so how might that work for the next new business pitch you have next week so it's asking those types of questions versus a mentor would say I I work I only like to use data in my presentations you should use data and I'm being very um very black and white about this but you know there's nuances to all of it right because some mentors are more coaching some coaches are more consultative so that that's really how the differences lay out interesting and uh, so there is also this uh, adage that you know uh, when the student is ready the teacher arrives so mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, how does an entrepreneur get ready for being coached is there is there something that they should do or is there a specific uh, uh, you know mindset that they should be in uh, in order to make the most out of the time that they spend uh, with a coach mm-hmm. so i think there are two things and i think you hit on it first exactly it's mindset when i first meet somebody that i'm potentially going to coach i want to know and i ask questions whether you're motivated and willing to learn. And that's really the the simple aspect of that. On the back end, where I see people succeed the most with coaching, it's that I take what I need to work on, kind of quote unquote the homework, and I really I really take charge of that and I do it. And I'm really willing to listen to different points of view. I had this um CTO that I was working with and he really didn't believe in coaching in the beginning and we we did his 360 and and um we worked on it and the thing that he said to me about coaching is that you held up the shining mirror to me so that I could really see the areas that I needed to focus on because we all have blind spots and we all can't see them. So how do you find somebody whether it's a one of your partners, somebody externally, a mentor or coach to find that shiny mirror to help to help you see the opportunities as well as the blind spots. 
Interesting. And how does one go about uh, uh, finding a, uh, an executive coach? Because I know for a matter of fact that, you know, not every coach is uh, a right coach for uh, every entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So there is a, I'm sure that there is a fitment that needs to be done uh, either in terms of uh, uh, the, uh, uh, you know, experience that the coach brings in or right. the, or the uh, skill sets uh, uh, that the entrepreneur brings in or whatever. So how does an entrepreneur or for that matter, a coach, uh, decide whether this coaching assignment is a right fit or whether they should look at someone else? Uh, I think that really gets down to what I was talking about earlier in advertising. There's a part of it that's chemistry and likability, right? That does this coach, are we going to have, or or me on the other side as well, right? Are we going to have that kind of chemistry and mix that we can push and move forward together. It's kind of that quality that you can't really explain. It doesn't have to be perfect, obviously, but how do you how do you kind of get in find that rhythm with somebody in terms of working with them? So I know that's not the perfect practical answer, but it really is is that piece. And it might be that you need to interview a couple of different coaches to find or, or step back and think for a second, what is it that I need from somebody and articulate it to them? Because we're all not mind readers. So what is it that you need that will help you be most successful? So, so let's unpack that a little bit. Um, so assuming yeah. that um, I'm an entrepreneur and I want to interview, let's say three coaches whom I would like to mm-hmm. work with. Uh, and I know exactly, you know, maybe broadly, that these are one or two areas that I would like to work upon. Yep. Now, uh, how do I interview an executive coach? I mean, what what kind of questions should I have uh, prepared or what kind of things that I should be looking for, uh, which are obvious either, uh, you know, signs which are uh, uh, pointing towards great treatment or signs that are pointing to the fact that, you know, you should run from there as fast as you can. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, I would hope you wouldn't have to run fast. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> uh, so I think, first of all, I'm going to put it back on me, right? So what do I do that makes people feel comfortable? That is what you're looking for. Comfort in that they know what they're doing, right? So when I come in, think about first two, I'm going to ask you questions about you. I want to be the one to hear about, as a coach, I want to be asking you, here are all the questions. So we can really start to almost, even in the first 30 minutes, start to articulate, hey, this is one goal that you and I could be working on. I think too, even though, as I said before, I am not a process-oriented person, you do need to have a process. The process of having a goal and then working on the specifics and measuring those results. While coaching, you can't really definitively always measure quantifiably the data, but making sure that you have that process with the coach because I think the goal piece is the most important piece. So that's what you want to be looking for first. And I think two, this is just something that's important to me, is that a coach is always helping you to learn. When I work with people, um, maybe they don't want the reading or their assessments, but you want you want to make sure that you're working with somebody that 
is also helping you to learn as well. Interesting. So let's uh, uh, dive down a little bit about uh, your specific coaching practice as well. So I know uh, that you know you have a specific process of uh, you know coaching clients. Uh, you start with a goal and you know you have a process. If you can just explain what your process of coaching your client looks like. Let's let's assume. Let's just play a, a game. Let's assume that I am oh, one of sure. your clients, and uh, I know that you know. For example, I want to. Uh, let's say one of the skills that I want to work up work upon is my ability to uh, engage audience, uh, uh, engage large audience uh, when I'm speaking to them. So that's mm -hmm. my goal. And you know, how would you you know go ahead and uh, uh, you know what would be your, what would your process look like uh, if you were to coach someone like me? Okay, so I would first say to you, um, okay, what is in your you want to start speaking to large audiences. What is it that you want to do specifically in speaking to a large audience? What's what's one what's one action that's important to you? So I think uh, uh, I want to spread uh, the ideas that uh, I have and want people to take action on those ideas. Okay, so then I would say to you, let's talk about what are those ideas. Tell me one idea that you want to spread out there? Uh, let's say that the healthcare system right now, as okay. it is uh, in the country, uh, or rather in the world, is broken. And mm -hmm. someone needs to fix it. The way uh, someone needs to fix it is to focus on the patient rather than uh, the doctors and the machines and the hospitals that currently they are focusing on. Okay. So that's the message so that I want to spread. That's the message that you, you want to say. So let's, let's also pretend that I know that you've been doing podcasting and all of that. So I would say to you, based on all of your success that you've been doing in your podcast, what are three things that are that you do well in your podcast that you can use to take to the broader the broader world with your ideas such as healthcare? What do you do well in your podcasting? Uh, I'm I'm. I think uh, I'm uh, uh, good in terms of uh, being present when I'm doing these conversations, uh, yeah. and I'm not very rigid in terms of a set of questions or uh, the kind of answers that I expect when I'm talking to someone. Uh, I allow conversation to drift in a way, you know, natural drift, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, try to get it to the conclusion that you know uh, is the natural conclusion and not necessarily the conclusion that I want. Uh, yeah. it to be. So that is yeah. what I think uh, 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 my audience has told me that they like about uh, uh, when I when they hear uh, episodes on my show. Uh, so what I would say to you is that's a special strength so that you really listen to the audience. You're very conversational. I'm, I'm, I just want to make sure that I'm confirming this, right? You're very conversational. You'll take the conversation where it needs to go. So when you're when you're going to the broader audience, how can you leverage those specific things, right? Maybe, you know, one idea, I'm going to give you an idea, right? This is my consulting piece, right? So that if you're sitting on a panel, how do you look back and say, here are the things that I do well. I can remember this podcast that I did with X person. I'm going to use those stories or those ideas to take the broader message out. So that's kind of how I would be coaching you. And I was actually just coaching you. 
so thank you uh, uh, sure so so, uh, <laughs> so how how does that move from there on so let's uh, you know so someone signs mm-hmm. up with you uh, uh, we decide that you know uh, this is a particular goal that we would like to work upon uh, mm-hmm. you guide us in terms of you know uh, uh, try this try that uh, maybe you know uh, and then you give us homework is that how some, yes. it works you give us a homework which we are then supposed to go back and do before the next conversation right so what i might have you do is so you would work on okay here's how i'm going to set up how i talk to a broader audience and we would put together the strategic roadmap for that then i might say to you i want you to read this article about telling a story in 2 minutes Okay. Then I might also say to you, there's a great TED talk um, on presence by Amy Cuddy, who's a Harvard professor. I want you to take a look at that and see those techniques, right, that you can take to the broader audience outside of podcasting. So that's really, so we would have that meeting. You, you would go back and we'd have another meeting. We talk about that, refine your strategic mode roadmap. And then I might say to you, okay, What's the first step for you to take this to the broader audience, right? And you might say, there is a networking event coming up that I want to talk to this X person. Okay, so now we get tactical and I say to you, okay, let's, let's role play for a second. What would you say to me? I'm going to pretend I'm that person that um, runs the, I don't know, the, the, whatever that is. And you and I would role play. And so that you would that you would refine your message so that you're not taken off guard and then you'd go off and do that. So it's kind of this iterative process that still gets back to the main goal of I want to take my messages to the broader audience. So if I have to you know look back at the uh, the entire process and maybe you know um, try to simplify for my own understanding uh, it would sure. be it would be you know first step is uh, a reflection which is you think about and understand what is it that you want to uh, achieve uh, the next the next step uh, uh, comes is around uh, discussion which is uh, you discuss with uh, your coach as to you know uh, this is what i want to do you ask questions and uh, there is a bit of reflection there as well and once mm-hmm. that is done then there is action which is you say okay read yeah. this read that do this do that and practice. then there is come practice and then comes uh, internalization where you know i actually go ahead and do that and having done that have learned something and internalized a part of what the message is then again the circle continues with reflection uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and uh, discussion uh, action uh, and the mm-hmm. cycle kind of goes uh, uh, either upward or downward depending upon how the experience turns out to be is that fair assessment of what the there's a fair is? assessment there's there's other kinds of nuances for it but I think what's really important for your audience is you can do this on your own. The process you just laid out, you can do on your own with somebody in your company or it, it, it's, it's the iterative process of growing and succeeding, right? And focusing on the areas of development or focusing as, you know, I asked you, so what was going right about that? Right? So yes, I think that's brilliant. It's, it's a great right there was a great process for everybody that you articulated as part of the coaching process <laughs> yeah thank you so 
uh, I'll go back again to something that you said in your uh, introduction that you know you sure. you are an executive coach at Harvard Business School, uh, if I remember yes. correctly. So, mm-hmm. uh, what do you mean by an executive coach at Harvard Business School? I mean, you either are a teacher or a student there, but what does yeah. an executive coach do there? <laughs> so, in their executive education program, so it's not their MBA program, but it's um, individuals who senior leaders or leaders going to the next level go work in these executive um, education programs and part of you're in a cohort or a living group you get an executive coach not every program does but that you work on a specific goal with your coach Um, so that's what I do in the executive ed program okay and how did that come about um it just it's it's one of those you know you uh, I was I I it's just part of the process of networking and and um, you know becoming part of the program really I guess I would say <laughs> interesting <laughs> so um, uh, let me ask uh, uh, you know uh, something that again. Uh, sparked my curiosity uh, uh, when you spoke about it. You spoke about a certain routine. So uh, do you see any routine uh, or habits uh, in uh, the clients that you coach uh, or the executives that you coach uh, that sets them up for success? You know, there are certain, uh, I've, there is a lot of focus today on habits uh, and uh, there is a lot of focus today on when you do certain stuff because of all the research and the books that are coming out and becoming popular. But uh, yes. from a practical perspective, uh, uh, have you seen a certain habit or certain habits or rituals uh, that uh, your clients have or do, uh, which leads them or which sets them up for success? Okay, so I've already, I've kind of already talked about a couple of them. One is networking, is really making the time, and it doesn't have to be this long, drawn-out two-hour lunch. It can be a 15-minute conversation. That's a habit that I think, I well, I know that I've seen um, very successful people do. They're just always meeting interesting people. The second one, you know, as I said, no, I didn't say this one, is I think it's very important to have thinking time because uh, even though, you know, we're, we're all – we, we all have to execute, right? So how do you allow the time to have thinking time from the perspective of, you know, we have one, I forget which side of the brain it is, is, is execution, right? And you can't, you can't execute and think big ideas at the same time. Very hard for the brain to, ex- to execute on that point. But how, and I, I say this to clients, 15 minutes a week, 30 minutes a week, schedule the time to just sit and think. It might be just do nothing and just sit and think. It might be read an article. It might be anything. But how do you allow the brain space to do that? And and that's something. It does not have to be a lot of time, but a ritual every week. 
interesting so that brings to a question which um, um, uh, i would really like to know is that you know how mm-hmm. do you stay uh, on top of things and uh, how mm-hmm. do you find uh, 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 your learnings from because i'm sure that you know uh, as with any other profession uh, being an executive coach means that you know you're you're constantly learning about new stuff you're constantly mm-hmm. learning about new ways to help your clients so what does your learning process look like ah uh. So that's that's a great point. The most important thing for me is learning. That's what makes me um, a successful executive coach. So a couple of things. First, it's taking interesting classes outside. Like I said, the poetry class. Um, I talk to lots of different people in terms of, hey, so what is the new interesting leadership? What's um, quality? What's, oh, there's this, this assessment, I'm going to get certified in that. I think it's going to be really relevant to the people. It's So it's, again, running in traffic and networking from that perspective. And frankly, I read a lot. So um, just all the different ideas out there so that I have books or ideas to help, pe- to help me ask the right question. That's the most important thing for me is to really ask the right question of somebody. So is that a skill that someone can learn? Because I have heard this so many times in so many conversations that the ability to ask the right questions probably mm-hmm. determines uh, uh, the level of success that someone can uh, achieve. So is that a learnable skill? And if yes, how does one learn to ask good questions? Yes, it's completely learnable skill. And the most important thing I would say, there's so here's the process. Just start asking questions. Doesn't matter what it is, just ask questions. Number two, I think it's think like a journalist. Don't ask a question. So once you start getting nuanced and you wanna try some more, ask a question like a journalist. Ask who, what, when, where, why types of questions. When you ask of, so how did you do that? You're gonna hear an interesting answer, not, so did this, did this strategy work? And then you, yes, it worked. And then it kind of ends it, right? The one little nuance I'd like to say to everybody when you're asking a question is, sometimes try to stay away from a why question. If I asked you, so why did you ask that on the podcast, right? Doesn't that feel slightly defensive a bit, right? So you just wanna, you just wanna kind of keep it open like a journalist. Think like a journalist or a scientist that you're just looking for interesting nuggets. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, I think we are getting close to the time that we have. Uh, uh, so I'll get into some of the final questions that uh, we anyway sure. ask all our guests. So um, I'll start with something which uh, uh, which is not uh, very original on my part, but uh, I have heard uh, some very interesting answers given to uh, this question. Uh, this okay. is a question that uh, Srini Rao asks on Unmistakable Creative Podcast. He The question goes something like this. Uh, uh, you know, what was the kind of uh, upbringing that you have? Uh, what did your parents do? And what impact did that have on what you are doing today? Oh, that's a really good question. So I think it comes down to what my father used to say to me. He used to say to me all the time, if you put your mind to it, Ian, you can do it. And that positive reinforcement has always, that's pushed me on the persistence front. 
right? That I think that was important to me in my upbringing. So just that simple statement as a kid that I can remember <laughs> 50 years later, that I think that's important. You know, that was important to me in, in terms of my upbringing. Interesting. So uh, the next question is, uh, 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 you know, by being an executive coach, is there something that mm -hmm. you absolutely hate when your client do? Oh, my goodness. That's a really good question as well. You're asking, I don't really hate much because it gets to, it doesn't really matter what I think is right or wrong. It's what matters to the coach. I mean, yes, obviously there are things, you know, that are right or wrong, um, embezzlement and all of those sorts of things. But there really is not much. I think the thing that um, is frustrating to me is when people say, I'm going to do this homework, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and they don't do it. And I can see if they do it, they're going to, they're going to over time succeed success. So that's frustrating to me. Interesting. Okay. So uh, is there a piece of book, uh, is there a piece of art, uh, a book, uh, a film, a documentary that has had a significant impact on, on your life that you would want our guest uh, audience to check out? So I think you bring up a really interesting point in terms of art. When we get back to creativity, just going to an art museum is a fantastic way to open up your mind to possibilities. Um, there are so many books that I love um, and I would recommend, but one that I just finished that I think is really relevant to your audience is The Power of Moments by, um, by Chip and Dan Heath, the Heath brothers, because I think that really gets to the point of how do you create a special moment when you're selling or when you're working within your company um, that creates this ultimate culture. And I, I, I really like the Heath Brothers books, all of them, right? Because they have fantastic stories that are actionable to people. So I would recommend for everybody the power of moments right now. So I think uh, 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 the books by Heath Brothers are the books that I have gifted the most uh, ever. Oh. So I have, uh, whether it is Decisive, whether it is Switch, whether it is uh, uh, The Power of Moments, whether it is uh, Made to Stick, I have gifted yes. uh, a lot of these books to my uh, customers. And uh, yeah, I love the work that uh, they do. Uh, I remember reading The Power of Moments and there is one specific passage in that book which uh, talks about uh, an employee onboarding experience. And uh, mm. after I read that passage, I was like, oh my God, how would I feel if I were treated like that? Uh, I mean, amazing uh, 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 you know, uh, way that they present the concept and very actionable. I mean, it's not very yes. difficult. You can action it right now, today. If you're the entrepreneur, you can decide to change your onboarding process today, exactly copying what they say in the book. Right, and that's the John Deere experience, right? And I think that's, so here's two interesting things for you, right? That's what you remembered is the story in that book. So when as an entrepreneur or, or at any time, telling the interesting story is what people remember, that outcome. What's the outcome? Not your resume, not what not the billings of your company, but the interesting story 
is the most impactful. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I've uh, I've started asking this question to uh, all my guests, which is you know, uh, uh, is there any belief that uh, you have recently changed? Uh, uh, and if yes, uh, what is the belief that you changed, and why did you change uh, your belief? Hmm. Well, this isn't a belief that I've changed recently, but I think it's something interesting. When I coach people, uh, it's so interesting to me when I'm surprised and um, about the answer that somebody gives me. So asking the question is always so important because we might get in a fantastic surprise, right? And that surprise is also a way that I learn myself. So um, I, I think that's something, it's not really a change in belief, but it's a, a belief that I have. And, and uh, uh, you know, why is that uh, uh, so? I mean, uh, uh, you say that, you know, when you get surprised, uh, you mm -hmm. like it. So, so what about that surprise oh. that, uh, you know, let's unpack that a little bit. Ah, so, you know, when I ask a certain stream of questions and I do and I have an outline in my head almost like a pyramid an upside down pyramid of how I ask people questions and I kind of think that and I think about it in a decision tree um, in terms of it's just a skill that I've learned over the years when I coach and when I think the decision tree is going to go this way and it actually turns and moves into another branch I find that very interesting to me Right. Because then that's just it's a way that we're all thinking differently and we all help each other as partners and teams. So that's really kind of how I answer that. And I like that surprise. It's just interest. It's just interesting to hear a different point of view is the way I like to look at it. So does that also lead to uh, uh, a different kind of work you do with the uh, uh, client, or is that um, something that you know you uh, you you make a note of and come back to it later and again get back to your uh, regular stream of questions that uh, you have in your mind? It depends. I'm sorry to say that it just depends on the specific situation and the client. I might hold that in my head, or we might really think about that strategy them and, and what we're thinking about in terms of the goal so that so it depends is one of the best answers that uh, uh, I have uh, I have come across because of the fact that you know a lot of times in our uh, in our times uh, the world that we live in uh, everyone seems to know the right answer uh, oh. everyone seems to know that you know what I am saying is the right answer or mm -hmm. I am right and you are wrong and uh, it, it sounds so nice when someone says it depends and it could be this way or that way depending upon the situation or depending upon uh, the conditions mm -hmm. uh, that's I think we need a lot more it depends answers now than yeah. ever in the history yeah I, I agree with you and you know I coach people on being the smartest guy in the room or gal in the room because what it, it it's it creates a lack of empowerment for people right that then my team just knows well you know john's gonna john knows so i'm not going to give my different point of view right so so asking the question just asking so what do you think takes away that smartest guy in the room piece as well i completely agree with you on that front absolutely <laughs> okay so um 
the last question that uh, we end all our uh, uh, conversations with is the show is called pushing beyond the obvious so mm-hmm. uh, what is so obvious to you that people miss all the time asking for feedback and you have to have it in a safe place you know sometimes asking people that work for you feedback um is is difficult but the obvious thing is how do you get data about yourself in feedback so that you can grow and you can learn more that i think that's sort of the obvious that is one obvious piece that we don't ask for feedback enough interesting so uh, uh, do you have uh, or do you know of a, a smart a funny or a fast way that one of your clients have uh, uh, set up uh, asking for feedback from their uh, uh, employees or from their uh, you know clients employees partners uh, whoever uh so i'm going to be very i i'm really going to put a cautionary piece on this that there are some instances when you should not be asking for feedback from your team you have to be willing to hear some things right or maybe it's just not the right time in your company to be asking that i really need to qualify that right up front but you know you could say here's something very simple so tell me what you think worked well in our last meeting and tell me what do you think we could have done better right or what what could i have done better in the last meeting but you have to be really cautious about asking those sorts of things just face to face so super so uh, please tell us uh, 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 where people can find more about you and the work that you do absolutely so if you go to my website annsugar.com it's a n n e sugar just like sugar.com or you can email me at ann at annsugar.com as well if you have a question so um those are ways to reach me super so thanks a lot for taking time and talking to us today and sharing your insights with us oh i really enjoyed speaking to you it was great fantastic <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Pushing Beyond the Obvious. If you like the show and would like to support, please head over to iTunes or wherever you are listening to this show and rate us and write a review. Till next time, have fun.